previously on the Posting and Toasting Show. This is the crossover event since Briscoe and Green met up with Benson and Stabler oh in an episode God. of Law and Order. I'm, I, I will roll with that guy through some more warts. Uh, um, than but for how much in a salary capped league again, where you already I mean, lost six million dollars because of Joakim Noah? At what point do I, you say uh, Alonzo Trier is worth? Six million dollars, seven million dollars. I don't, I don't know if it reaches that point. Who, who does, who does Trier make better? Like when he plays with the lineup, who are you like? Oh man, him. No, and, he does. He's Lou Williams. He, yeah, he, no, he's, no, no. He's uh, Jeremy. Any anything particularly exciting for you about Dario Sarge? No. The only thing more reading. terrible than me as a person is Lance Thomas as an NBA basketball player. At some but, point, but and he, maybe I'm just rushing to get it to stop with that, and maybe this isn't the right guy for it to stop with. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, what, I'm that's, that's, that's all what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. He's like, he is not the guy that you are like, no, we got to keep our guys. And he's incredibly yeah. high on crack. High on crack. further ado um we have three names left that we have to talk about um, are you hosting our podcast too what is <laughs> I, was, right I was actually that's why I, if you can tell i was just drawing this out because i was like am i still gonna pretend to be host because it's not my show anymore so no. by the way, you should not edit this out you should leave this in your podcast but drew do you want to take over as host yes i will take over so hey guys welcome to the posting and toasting show I'm Drew. Schwinn's here. What up, Schwinn? What up, what up, what up? All right, so we have two special guests on the show with us today. And if you didn't listen to the Wednesday episode of the Knicks Film School, I would go listen to that because this is the special crossover episode. Do it! Do it now! Yes, yeah, so as you can hear, that is Jonathan Macri. And we also he also brought his uh, state ward. Was it Child State Ward? What's the... Ward uh, state. Ward of the State. There we go. Brought his Ward of the State with him. Um, Jeremy Cohen. What up, Jeremy? Hey, guys. How's it, how's it going? You know, I was really upset with uh, Jeremy last episode because he was like, I was going to do a really lazy comparison of Bogdan Bogdanovich. And instead, he said Luka Doncic instead of Bohan Bogdanovich, which would have been the funnier joke. But Actually, um, that's like a pretty good comparison, like a smaller bully. That actually works pretty okay. I, I'm just saying, like, the, like, it was right there. It was laid up, and he just whiffed it like it was <sighs> i never envisioned bogdanovich boy bogdanovich to be being a nick whereas i envisioned luke as a nick but whatever we all have at one point yeah i guess so but um, can i okay. just can i just say something real quick before we uh get on to actually talking about uh what we're going to be talking about on the show That's so fine. We... This, this show's a lot on is much more unstructured than you guys so go for it oh because there was so much structure in what we just did 
Um, so we we've actually we literally have not stopped talking. We're, we've been talking for an hour and fifteen minutes. Oh, why are you breaking the fourth wall right now? What are you doing? You know what? They're allowed to look behind the curtain. The my my what I wanted to say is this: I was I was thinking about what this would be like earlier today, and I was thinking um, that it would. I was drawing a comparison in my mind to um, like sex, where it's like a podcast with with like one person. It's like it's it's you know you you, you get the job done, but it's probably going to be pretty boring. With two people, it's it's solid. With three people, now you're talking. With four people, someone just sitting around, you know, with their dick in their hand. Um, and I was worried that it, this was what it was going to be Isn't like. Is that how we always sit around? That's usually how we sit That's around. You. Though. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I actually think we have done a pretty good job of um, really getting all four of us in the action such that no one is ever um, on the sidelines uh, holding said appendage. So I, just, switching I think, I think Macri just humble bragged that he's a great host. That's exactly what I heard. And, and that he's, he's had sex before. I was actually yeah, humble bragging right. that I'm really good at foursomes, but sure. Yeah. Well, you know, well, that's something to be proud of. I would be proud of that too. So it looks like we all are fans of Eyes Wide Shut on this episode, <laughs> apparently. So that's a good thing. So we're all and, and now and we have confirmed that Macri has had sex. Yes, we've confirmed in, in his life. That's actually well, Mike, I do have a daughter. <laughs> there are ways well, around that. There's ways around that. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Yeah, there's like turkey basters and stuff like that. I think that's how oh, it works. God, off the, <laughs> off the rails already. I mean, that's our show. We're just always off the rails. That's that should be the name of your show, Off the Rails. No, that's a lame. That's lame. We want to keep it as original as possible and keep it the posting and toasting show. <laughs> so if you're not familiar with what we listened to before, we covered a bunch of random restricted free agents from DeJounte Murray to Dario Saric to Pascal Siakam, all that. So we're gonna focus on the big names of restricted free agency. This coming huge megastars. The huge megastars. So we're going to talk about Sterling Brown, Wesley, <laughs> Wesley Wundu, and uh, Chris Dunn. Wancho and Wancho. Oh, and Wancho, Hernan Gomez. Um, Andre Brimby, Br- Bem- Bembry, baby. Yeah, so we're going to talk about those. No, we're actually going to talk about three main guys that we're going to talk about is Buddy Heald, Jalen Brown, and Brandon Ingram. Because out of outside of Pascal Siakam, who we all agree that he's a legitimate difference maker, but he's not coming to the Knicks. It's, it's yeah, not. It's it's he, like they're gonna. He's gonna stay in Toronto, right? They're, yeah, they're so like figure, they'll figure it out. Yeah, so like we're gonna focus on three guys that have a better chance of actually leaving their current team, based on whether it's you know salary cap restrictions, you know fit, all these sort of things. So let's start with. Ooh, can can, can I make a suggestion? Do whatever you want. Can we start with the guy who the news came out today? We're recording this on Wednesday night. That um, him and his team are roughly a hundred and twenty-five million dollars <laughs> apart in um, contract talks. Oh, that's exactly who I wanted to start off with was Jalen Brown. Because if you haven't seen the news on, on Wednesday, his team is expecting to be paid more, like Ben Simmons and his team, meaning his his people. Right. Yeah, his people, like you know, yeah. his people is Ben Simmons. I forgot the other guy, but he's looking for like a four to five year deal with like 170 million dollars, which I mean, kind of makes sense because he's 90 percent of Kawhi Leonard and 90 percent of Kawhi's max is 30 million dollars a year. 
So it's a bargain. It sense. Yeah, so it makes sense to pay Jalen Brown so $30 million a year. Is it just me or like, I, I don't think he's being serious with that offer. I'm That just sounds like he wants to leave Boston. That's what that sounds like to me. Uh, a lot of it's just ooh. leverage for a big reason. I mean, you have to start up, right, and then you go down from there. But I, mean, I, I just, I just a, think there's a lot of signs that he wants to leave Boston, though. Like, but I think, about, yes, I, I don't somebody, disagree. Yeah, because he was Kyrie already up, like, left. That's no, no, but I, I, but it, like, I, I don't actually believe that his issue was just kind of like this is something that you know I tweeted about a bunch after the Celtics joyfully got smacked in the face in the second round. Um, but it's. Kyrie, as first of all, thank you, good, great job, Kyrie, of uh, you know the, doing the inside job in the Celtics. There, wonderful I work. Really appreciate that, Kyrie. Shout out to Kyrie Irving for yeah, ruining thanks. the Celtics. Friend, friend of the show, but also <laughs> enemy of the show. Uh, yeah, friend of the show, Kyrie Irving. Um, like he just became a convenient scapegoat for like everything that went wrong last year. But it's like if you're Jalen Brown and you know. And you you were a huge member of a team that nearly got to the finals a year before without Kyrie, without Gordon Hayward. You come back the next next year, you've probably been working on your game, probably like convince yourself, like, yeah, I'm ready to take the next step, blah, blah, blah. You come back and your coach is playing like a recovering paraplegic over you. Um Kyrie is taking shots at you nonstop. And while all this is going on, really there's not much like support coming from the organization. Um, they're not really saying anything to Kyrie. You know, not Ainge, not Stevens. They're not getting that in order. They continue to kind of sacrifice your minutes to get Gordon Hayward minutes. Um, they have a bunch of wings. They don't make any moves to alleviate any of these issues. You know, that's the kind of shit that the Knicks have done previously and why players get, you know, kind of what do you call it, jaded and want out and stuff like that. It's just they just shitty, shitty management. And sure, the Celtics were like good last year, actually. They, what, they won 49 games, way worse than, you know, the 67 and high fives that Bill Simmons was predicting. But um, like, I, I just think he is done with that I I think he probably feels a bit betrayed, and I personally I, I when I saw that I, the first thing I thought of is that he just wants to get the fuck out of there, and he's gonna have he's gonna make this under because it's not like you know I I get what you're saying Jeremy that like he have to start high, but like even he knows he's not a max guy, like he knows that he's not a max guy, you know he, he knows that and he knows he's never gonna get that from the Celtics, so. Why would you start that high? I I think he just wants out, man. That's it. I that's yeah, all. it's very possible that he does. I just it's the sort of thing where again you're worth what someone pays you. There could be a team out there that views Jalen Brown as a long term piece. You know, like a uh, okay, the Hornets for example. I don't know if that would be the best fit for what he wants, but that's a team that strikes me as you know like yeah maybe they want cap flexibility, but if they're also looking to accumulate talent, Jalen Brown would be a viable option for them. Something in that vein where he doesn't, you know, live up to that third overall pick status, but he's a he's a good enough player that that's fine. But yeah, I agree. He's not worth nearly that much, especially from a long term perspective. But I I don't know. I think that he he does want out, but he also wants to at least give it a chance now that Kyrie's gone. 
I agree. I agree. He wants out, and I mean, should we be shocked? Uh, four of uh, I well, I think you could argue, depending on how valuable you think Marcus Morris to the was to that team last year, that uh, three of their four he best was players easily the best player in the history of the Celtics. So I agree. Um, so yes, easily. Uh, their three best play, you know, they, look, Harford wanted out, um, and and Kyrie obviously, you know, wanted out. Morris wanted out. Uh, Rozier maybe goes in a different category, but he wanted out. Um, Brown had some comments throughout the year, and then you know, kind of owned up to some of his own failings, I guess, maybe later. But he doesn't seem very content. I mean, yeah, I I, I think it's probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Um, I, to to even approach a number like a Ben Simmons number, I, I quite frankly, I think is insane. Like if you're asking me, because the, the question, because the question isn't what is Brown's most likely outcome worth? Because I think we could quibble about, is that worth $15 million a year? Is that worth $20 million a year? I think the better question is what, what is, what are the chances that like, what, what's his reasonable floor outcome which is like not his like fifth percentile outcome but what's his like 25th percentile outcome and what is that worth like he's been in the league for three years two of those years he's been a 34 percent shooter from downtown he this you know i did a crossover uh i'm sorry guys this is not my first crossover pod i did a crossover pod i did a crossover pod with a celtics podcast host who, oh God! How gross! I, the Australian was he Australian? Yes, he was a very nice guy. I really was he Australian? I, I had a listen. He is um uh was a, yes he was Australian. Yeah, nice guy and uh very knowledgeable and you like loved the Knicks too. That was so weird. Yeah, I know, I, and I appreciate it. You know what he didn't love? <laughs> he didn't love Jalen Brown's defense. He was like he was out of place a lot. He got lost off the ball. Like, he did not have nice things to say. Um, about Brown on defense, which is like, if you're telling me that a guy is 90% of Kawhi Leonard, um, then I would are, not expect it. Are, are, we, are we sure that Jalen Brown is better than Malik Beasley? No, but that's my point. Then I, I agree. Like, I just, like, we're like 85% sure of that, but there is the, there exists the possibility that he may just be, maybe not a guy, but like, I, it, I don't know. Trevor is he better than Kyle Anderson? Uh, who? There are very few players better than Kyle Anderson. Slow-mo. Slow-mo. Oh, slow-mo. Um, so I, I guess that's, so. I, that's my point is that let's say they, they meet in the middle or, or, you know, and it's – or forget about them. Let's say someone gives him four for 100, which I – if you told me that was going to happen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. Like, is there a possibility that you're paying $25 million a year to a guy who is essentially like a seven or $8 million a year player? That's a fucking disaster. It he if you give him four hundred million, that is a horrendous overpay. The minute the ink is dry in that contract, like it's this this th- these are his numbers from last year. Okay, thirteen points. He played twenty six minutes a night. Thirteen points, four rebounds, one and a half assists, one steal, a half a block, one and a half, basically. One to one assisted turnover ratio, one point three turnovers. Um, he shot forty six and a half percent from the field, thirty four and a half from three. Uh, his career, he's a thirty five percent from the line. Yeah, by the way, career yeah. and last season. Yeah, and career, he is a thirty six and a half percent three point shooter, 
46% from the field. Uh, you know, in 25 minutes a night, he's giving you four rebounds, 11.2 points, 1.3 assists, 1.3 turnovers, just under a steal, 0.3 blocks. Like that, I don't, he's a really fluid athlete, which I think catches the eye a lot because uh, he makes some plays that are like, they, they pop, you know, that wow plays. I mean, is I mean, is he even, honest question, is he really better than Tim Hardaway Jr.? I don't know. Like, I don't know, man. I'm not even saying that, like, to insult him. I'm genuinely, I don't know what his level, like, I just don't see, if he made an all-star team, I would be shocked. I would be stunned if he ever, even if he was, like, a third or fourth fucking alternate, injury alternate for an all-star team, I'd be stunned. In the East. In fairness, uh, Timmy was 20, no, he wasn't 22. I'm sorry. He was 21, he's 21. when he entered the league. And Jalen Brown um, was 22 last season. Not, listen, he, he's not. he's been in the league three years. I don't know. I, I think he's going to be better than that. I guess I, I just, man, like what are you, what is your ceiling outcome that you're paying for? And here's the other thing with him is I think like even that three-point shooting percentage is, it's a, it's not accurate because like, He's that that shit is getting a bump. He's a corner shooter, okay? Like he's not an above the break guy. He's a guy that can shoot from the corners. He's not somebody that creates threes off the dribble, and he's not somebody that is good from shooting above the break or from straight ahead, like the top of the key. That he's a corner three point shooter, um, and like that's, you know, I'm not saying that to downplay that skill, but it's like when you start looking at three point percentage, it matters. It really does matter where your percentages are coming from, right? Like, if you are just a, if you're a corner guy, then th- those are the kind of guys that in the playoffs, teams are they're ready for that. They're like, okay, no, no, like just don't let him shoot from the corner. If he's from the top of the key, let him fucking throw up bricks all he wants. Like, it, it's I, I don't see it with him. I don't think he's a bad player, but I do think he's a player that's about to get criminally overpaid by some team. Well, yeah. if if that team isn't the Celtics though, and they and the Celtics know that that team isn't the Celtics, then it's a similar conversation to what we had about Siakam, except it becomes a lot more likely because it's it's Ainge. Then he's trading him at the deadline, right? And and since it's, we're talking about the Knicks here, the Knicks don't have a trade package that would either be likely to get him or one that you would actually want to offer, right? Uh, I mean, it kind of depends on what you're actually going to pay him in restricted free agency. Like, if you can get him on a good deal, I'd rather have. Yeah, but you're you're trading for him knowing that his team wants whatever. I mean, what some pie in the in the sky number? Well, they probably they probably would do it for like four sixty. I bet, right? Maybe four seventy on a good day. Maybe oh, four. I think they want at least four eighty. And I no, no, I even... I agree. I agree. I'm saying I'm saying more like. As a team, what you would offer, what you would be okay with giving, right? Like four eighty, I think would be the absolute upper crust as this incumbent incumbent team. Like you'd be like, let's, okay, that's the max. Let's I'm call thinking. it. Let's call it the Timmy contract. Let's give him the Timmy contract. Yeah. So it was a four seventy one. Four seventy one and a half or something. Like that. Yeah. With the with I, the fifty percent trade kicker, baby. Um, can't forget yeah. that. <laughs> so, like, I just, I mean, what is what are what are you doing with 
Jalen Brown. Like what? What are you giving up for the right to pay him that money? I'm giving up like the 23 Dallas protected first, and they can have Marcus Morris back or something. Yeah, okay. So, so you're getting the you you are you are getting the. Full I don't. Year. I honestly, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even call about Jalen Brown. I don't want him. I wouldn't okay. bother trading for him. Like I'd rather. Like I, I'm genuinely saying this. If I'm, I'd rather trade for like Malik Beasley than Jalen Brown. Um, because Malik Beasley has a defined, like, elite skill as a shooter. He can really, really shoot it. Jalen Brown is not that level of shooter. Um, he's not that great of a defender. He's he's like fake good on defense. Um, and that is something I've talked about a lot, uh, tweeted about a lot before on Twitter. Is like the one like I think Brad Stevens is it was an insanely overrated coach. Um, but the one thing he actually is good at is coaching up guys on defense and so i think a lot of a lot of times these guys get bumps just from um how he coaches them up so i think jalen brown's probably somebody that has really benefited from that more than many on their team uh yeah i don't know i like this is we were talking about uh in the last in the first part about sabonis for jalen brown right and it's like if i'm the pacers i'd be like "Mm, i need a lot i need something more than just jalen brown I'm giving you Sabonis. That's the way I think of it. Like, I think Sabonis is, you know, obviously for us, he doesn't make sense, which we talked about. But, like, just if you were thinking about them straight up as players, aren't, are you doing Sabonis? Are you trading Sabonis for Jalen Brown straight up? I'm not. I'd be, I'd say absolutely. It depends on uh, how I plan on constructing my team long term and i honestly don't really, i don't really know what the celtics plan is long term because they just signed um a 30 how old is Kemba? 29 year old um you know five foot eleven um point guard to 30 some odd million dollars a year so i'm not really sure um i don't know what their plan i don't know i don't know i don't know what their plan is their plan is to build around 12 time tatum 12 time tatum that's, yeah, uh, that's their plan. Sure. I mean, I, I are we are we doing like does, is are can anybody make the case for Jalen Brown? Like, I I want to hear the case because I don't see it. I just um, I can't I can't make it for no. We can't make it. We don't have any. We need like a Celtics fan. Can we call up like Bill Simmons right now to make the case? <laughs> I I'm trying to think of a of a trade offer that I would put out there that would even get. Age to like listen, and I, I kind of, I, I'm not and as down. Danny Age, Danny Age can go fuck himself. Who cares about him? Fuck no, him. I'm not, I, no, I, I completely agree. Oh, but so fifteen I'm first round picks. <laughs> I know you just I, gave away the entire Knicks cupboard for fucking Bogdan Bogdanovich. <laughs> the Herschel uh, Walker trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, I, uh, I can make a contractual argument for for what can happen with Jalen Brown. So I completely agree with what you guys are saying in terms of the level of talent that he provides. What if the Knicks took a route, or it really could be any team, but let's let's just say it's the Knicks for the sake of the argument. What if they did with Jalen Brown exactly what they did with Bobby Portis? They offered a restricted free agent a very short-term overpay with a team option on the second year. If Jalen Brown is that desperate to get out of Boston, that type of deal does one of two things. One, it either gives him the opportunity to get – well, I mean he's going to get grossly overpaid if he signs that, right? But it gives him the chance of getting out of Boston or he stays in Boston and he's gone one if not two years later. 
But in, in his case, in his case, you'd probably have to make a, make it a player option. It would have to be a two plus have to be a two plus one player option. Potentially, okay. But the but that said, if he if what he cares about more is leaving Boston, and you're loading up on if you prioritize contract years over contract payout, then that makes a lot of sense. At least certainly from the receiving team's perspective, um, because then if you're the Celtics, you're all of a sudden met with this really interesting dilemma: Do you overpay? Short-term, knowing he's going to walk and the fact that it's hard to trade for players based on how bloated that contract is, or do you just let him walk for nothing? And I think if you're the Knicks, what you look at in that situation is, okay, well, he at least fits our MO, right? He's a young guy who we can try to work with. He's, a, he's got that lottery pedigree that we love. Um, he fits a position of need because right now the Knicks have a ton of shooting guards, but the you know, I mean, they have some wings. It's just the the fact of the matter is there's no one who's really a long-term piece that we know of right now other than, say, RJ in the backcourt, right? We don't know what's going to happen with Densman Jr. No idea with Frank. It, it's it's completely up for grabs. And maybe you can say the same thing about Jalen Brown, but at least you're giving him the opportunity to be that type of player. And you can afford to overpay him next year, it's just the issue is uh, the year after, if you decide to go big game hunting again and you feel you're in a better position to attract star talent. Can I can I say something you. on that no, note? Because no I, 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 I think what, what if I just said no right now and just we moved on? What would you do? Um, yeah, I, I would say what I'm going to say anyway. So, yeah, um, <laughs> I you because I think a lot of people are going to hear what you just said, Jeremy, and be like. Could we stop the discussions about 2021? We just got done with this. And I, I just I feel like it's important to to say there is a huge, gigantic, massive difference between planning your entire existence like and making proactive moves um, to set yourself up for a thing versus boxing yourself out of the possibility of a thing. Yeah, I'm and, not guaranteeing anything. No, and I, but I, 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 agree, I agree with what you're saying is like, well, that are, well we're going to hear it a ton over the next two years. Like the Knicks can't worry about 2021 because they, we, we, you know, they just got told that the whole NBA wants them, you know, tells, told them to go fuck themselves. Nobody wants anything to do with them. That doesn't mean you, you eliminate yourself from the discussion before the discussion has even had um, a chance to start. So I, I agree with you that it, it is something that they can and, and should consider. Right. And there aren't those types of contracts to take on as salary dumps the following year. Um, and that clearly isn't what the Knicks decided to do much this past summer. Um, so you're kind of like if you've got this money to spend and if let's say I mean, I think it's safe to assume that there's a highly unlikely like it's highly unlikely that Marcus Morris is going to be on this team after this season. Um, and I think you could say the same thing, at least from a salary perspective of someone like Taj Gibson and or. Um, like Peyton, Ellington, one of the or a combination of those players. So if you have the cash funds and the cash flow and you want to at least try to add to your core in terms of what those ages are, and you can add someone like Jalen Brown on a shorter term deal, granted, as long as there's an exit strategy, if if it's like two and one, then that's a little bit trickier. I don't think that that's really worth going for. I'd let another team pay. But if you are granted, I mean, like if Jalen Brown saw right now a two-year max contract and there was some sort of option, if there was a player option, he would absolutely take it, in my opinion. If it's a team option, the 
at least benefit he has is he'd be an unrestricted free agent. And I think you can't really put a price on having that option. However, if a team were to offer him for 100, that's a little bit better than, say, two for 60. Because, you know, maybe those extra two years you could, if you play out your contract really well, you could make an even bigger amount. But, uh, you know, realistically, it's better for a player, especially when you're younger, to lock into that deal. It's just how much he hates Boston or not. That's the biggest question. Yeah. Well, speaking of four for 100, let's move on to our next guy because he's actually someone who's really interesting, especially given the the, uh, the salary cap issues with the Sacramento Kings, potentially, you know, their issues move forward, is uh, is Buddy Heald. And he's an older player, but he, you know, because he came into the league older, but so he'll be like 27, 28 or whatever when he hits free agency next year. But he is a career uh, 42% shooter on six attempts from uh, from three. Um, he's arguably one of the top three, five shooters currently in the NBA. And I I think you completely ignore someone like Jalen Brown. Like, who gives a shit about Jalen Brown? Like, every other, like every other Celtic, he's overrated as fuck. So, like, there's someone that Nick should be truly targeting – Especially if, like, there's potential that R.J. Barrett is going to be, like, point R.J. Barrett. So, like, you can actually, like, play guys, like, heels and stuff off the ball. You don't have to worry about size matchups or anything like that. I, I think if there's anyone that the Knicks should be considering, or, if, you know, especially if Sacramento doesn't match, I, th- I think Buddy Heald is someone that should be a target, not Bogdan from the Kings. I, I think it should be Buddy Heald. Your thoughts, guys? Uh, I just, I really like Buddy. I love Buddy, actually. But I don't see any way that he's gettable. Like, I, I don't. Um, I guess maybe if you threw a foot, what, what would be his four-year max? What is that, like oh, 100, uh, 130 or something like that? 120, maybe? Whereabouts, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I mean, if you give him that, are you really... Are you good with that? Because he's going to be 27 because he's old for a rookie. Um, so I guess like the advantage is you get his prime years, but there's not going to be a lot of growth happening. Um, and then it's like, you know, what would I give him and feel okay with? Probably up to like maybe like 485, 90. But like, you know, is he's, I think he'll get an offer sheet for at least 400 from somebody. For 100 million, so would I give him for 100 million? I don't know. I, I and mean, he's a great shooter, like one of the elite shooters in the league. And he actually is not a zero with the ball in his hands. He can pass a little bit. Um, you know, he can create his own offense to an extent. He's not a bum. He's a shit defender, um, but he does have an elite skill. And yeah, with RJ, if they if they realize that RJ needs to defend threes. And then kind of like be a very much a offensive hub in terms of facilitating, you know, hard to think of a better fit uh, as a complementary piece than Buddy Heald. It's just like that's the same exact reason why the Kings are probably going to pay him a lot of money this summer to extend him and keep him. Um, so I don't know. I really like Buddy. I just don't see a reason. Like, I just don't see how he gets to New York. Within the next year, um, 
because I don't see him. I, I'm pretty sure they'll come to an agreement before the window closes before the season. Um, and even if they don't, I just think that he will get a contract that you probably don't want to give him. Um, so I'll, I'll start this by saying there have been, um, three guys in the history of the league that have averaged, uh, 20 points a game, um, over seven, uh, three point attempts a game and, uh, shot above 42% from three in a season. Uh, Steph Curry did it. Uh, seven, six times. Clay Thompson did it three times. Ray Allen did it once, way back in um, 2001, 2002, and then Buddy Heald did it last season. Um, so to back up what you just said, I mean, it's it's not only that it's an elite skill; it's like the arguably the most important elite skill. If you're if you're only going to have one elite skill, it is the most important elite skill that you could have um, in the NBA today, and it doesn't seem like I, it, it's a skill that's not going anywhere. I mean, he was uh, 46% from, or sorry, 42% from three this year. He was 43% from three the year before that. He was uh, 39% from three as a rookie. Um, that was after a really shitty start as a rookie. Oh, he was. He, he yeah. couldn't hit anything at first. I remember that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, he is going to have that skill. Um, and the way they are constructing this team, like you said, around Barrett, the most important thing that you're going to be able to put around Barrett is shooting, um, especially if you consider Mitch one of the cornerstones. Again, does not profile to be um, wh- whether he dabbles or not. He's not a floor spacing five. So, yeah, you're going to need like super duper elite shooting from some position. And I, it's not – it, it's a skill you can draft – but how easily can you draft it in a guy that can stay on the floor for you um, for X amount of minutes a night? And to your point, Schwinn, is Buddy Hill a good defender? No, by by no stretch is he a good defender. But he's like the – so there's uh, another stat that I found. with When he shared the floor with De'Aaron Fox – um, the Kings last season gave up 109.5 points per 100 possessions. That's according to Cleaning the Glass, which filters out garbage time. That's that's fine. It's a it's a better than league average defense. When he was on the floor without De'Aaron Fox, only about a thousand eleven hundred uh, possessions. Um, that defensive rating went up to 116.4, which would be the worst in the league. So what does that tell us about Heal? That tells us he's a guy that. Um, needs to be on the floor with another really, really, with a really, really good defender in the backcourt. But like, if you put him next to that really, really good defender in the backcourt, it seems like he's going to be able to be a guy who's not going to kill you. And like we've seen, obviously, you know, teams win championships working around guys like Curry and and Kyrie and and what have you. It's like it could be done. All this is to say. You're not like there's no chance you're getting him for anything other than the max, and even then, I think Sacramento matches it. Um, so I just I don't think I just don't think it's going to happen. If you're asking me, would I pay him the max? My inclination is to say no, but at the same time, I can't sit here now and be like a hundred percent no. I'm like eighty five percent no. Yeah, I I know what you're saying, and I don't want you to think that. Um, I'm saying that you believe 
uh, healed is on the same level as as Curry and Kyrie because I know you don't think that. No, 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 uh, no, no, no. I know. I yeah. hope I didn't imply that. No, you yeah. didn't. I just want to make it clear. Um, it's a sort of thing where, uh, and I think it goes back to what Bob Myers said, like maybe six months ago. I think it was at MIT, where his whole thing was like, if you do one thing incredibly well, uh, that's great in the regular season, in the postseason playoffs. I don't. It just we can load up on you. Your game completely changes. And I look at Buddy Heald and I feel like he would be a phenomenal regular season player. And I don't believe he would be a great postseason player. And especially on the contract that he would be given, again, in a salary cap league. Um, I like him a lot. You know, it was at the point where back when Kevin Durant to the Knicks was still even a viable thought. I felt like, okay, well, if you got Kevin Durant and you're looking for a win now pieces and you've got that that top five pick, if it's not one, two, or three, and you wanted to flip it, at least some sort of deal where you could extract Buddy Heald. It wouldn't be a one-for-one swap or anything, but something where you could at least put a win now player who's an incredible shooter around Durant, try to attract you know a better point of attack defense point guard, maybe like a Beverly type. The whole thing was it was very, you know, unrealistic obviously now that we've looked forward and in, in or looking back on the past but it was that sort of thing where i do really like buddy healed i just don't see the knicks being able to yeah one pry him out of sacramento and two how that helps them in the grand scheme of things because i, I think if you did have a player like frank next to him what we hope frank can be um i just don't believe that the knicks feel that what frank can be will be at the one so you're trying to figure out well what's that point guard going to be who would be slotted next to him and I you know maybe it's Dennis Smith Jr. maybe it's Alfred Payton but neither of those guys really helps compliment Heald for what it what he is. Heald compliments them but not the other way around. So yeah I mean I He's just... He's a great match with Fox which is you know exactly. which is why they're going to max him out. Exactly. Um, so yeah I, I think it'd be nice to think of him you know, attracting offers, but I don't, from other places, I just don't think it's going to come to that point, as you are saying. And you're way too dependent on positions like one, two, and three, and all you guys are sleeping on Buddy Hill. All of you guys. I'm telling you right now. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm revisiting. I think that they should max him. I would max Buddy Hill. Are you I'm serious going, right now, or are you joking? I don't, I don't even know anymore, because I really want to get to the, uh, to the next guy. Because this is the, the grand finale. <laughs> Look, I, I just with healed. It's like I don't know if I agree that he's somebody that would be like easy to shut down in the playoffs. Just because, I mean, I haven't done it, but I would imagine that his statistical profile is like very, very similar to Clay. Um, probably has a better assist rate. Um. I don't know. I, obviously, not, not sh- all right. I shouldn't say shut down because he's still an incredible shooter. I think he'll be able to be he'll be able to positively impact the game. But it's the sort of thing where a lot of what Clay also does is because of the talent around him that opens up opportunities for him, and I don't see that happening in Sacramento. Well, I don't see like I don't see that's where I don't know if I agree because Clay also like just shows up and hangs his fucking balls out when shit's on the line, and like. He doesn't need much space to get a shot off. I think Buddy is pretty similar in terms of, like, he doesn't need much space to get a shot off. Uh, I think Buddy might actually have a little bit more off-the-dribble game than Clay. Um, and the thing is, like, he was 25 usage last year. So 
to me, like at a, that's pretty good. At a certain level of usage, like you do have like uh, a level of shot creation that goes beyond just like having a quick release. I don't know if that makes sense. Like he's yeah. not just a pure shooter. Uh, I'm looking at his numbers right now. I think like he was assisted on half of his twos, which isn't in- incredibly high for the type of player he is. It's actually lower than maybe I expected. Uh, and for his career, it's only 47%. So maybe like last year they just had, I think last year they just had a really good like chemistry and ecosystem with that. Him and Fox really just like were so good together last year. Um, yeah, and I don't know. That's exactly but, why he's not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like that's he's just not. We can. We. Yeah. I think we. Let's. We agree on. He's. The, he's not going anywhere. The next guy we're going to talk about. There's a very real chance that he is going somewhere, which is why I too am excited for this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the uh, our final guy, which is Brandon Ingram. Um, I think I don't know if it's fair to say that Jeremy and. John have the same feelings, but there's something that Schwinn sees in Ingram that maybe the three of us don't. I mean, I don't really see too much in him, but Schwinn, you're you're the one who's very pro Ingram, wants to take the uh, the risk on him and everything. So so please, the floor is yours right now for the case for Brandon Ingram. The case for Brandon Ingram is that he is very basically. Uh, he's improved every single year of his career. Uh, he went from nine points to sixteen to eighteen point three last season. Um, he's pretty good with the ball in his hands. He averages around three assists a game, which is nice for a small forward. Uh, five rebounds per game, which you would probably like to see up at six, but not too bad. Uh, but the big thing is, is that. I think he was really about to blow up uh, last year before he got injured. So in his last 32 games, he had like a, I don't, he had a really rough start to the year. And I think a lot of that was just like adjusting to LeBron and kind of playing a totally different role than he played. He didn't have the ball as much in his hands, um, which is something like Luke Walton was really, really big about. Like he was all about letting Ingram bring the ball up and like not run point, but kind of like pseudo be a, primary ball handler at times um but anyway his last 32 games last year so this is i'm just picking this because he was like injured for a little bit when he came back so this is from december 21st to march 2nd last 32 games of the season he averaged 20 points six boards three and a half assists uh shot 51 percent from the field 33 percent from three 70% 70% from the line, which is, that's the yucky part. But 57 true shooting, 53 EFG. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think that he was really, really on the cusp of taking a step. And if you look at kind of when guys do take major leaps in their career, it usually is around like the end of year three into year four. Um, I just, I, I see a guy that is a plus defender. Uh, he's very switchy. I think he gives you another creative wing player. Uh, I do understand the reservation of perhaps pairing him with like RJ because neither of them is a particularly good shooter or a willing shooter even from three. Actually, I would say RJ is a willing shooter, uh, just not a particularly good one. Uh, and Ingram gets the line. Uh, 
So his free throw rate was – that's another, uh, again, improved every single year of his career. Um, so I just – I feel like I see a guy that is figuring out his game and streamlining his game to his actual strengths as he goes through his career and was making the leap to – I don't want to say stardom, but yeah, like borderline stardom last year. Um and I know at that time, like the Lakers were kind of becoming a big joke, which I totally participated in and enjoyed. Um, but like, you know, when you actually look at what he was doing in a season, that was a really big mess for them. Tons of injuries, you know, a lot of off-court drama, as we know. Um, you know, he was really putting it together and starting to show out. And yeah, he's also only going to be 22 next year, fourth year in the league. So very young. Um and everything I've read about that, whatever he had, like thrombosis. Deep like, venous thrombosis. Yeah. Everything sir. I've read about that is that it's it's almost certainly not a Bosch-like issue that is going to be potentially career-threatening. So that shouldn't be a risk you're taking. Um, I I think it's an, this is an interesting conversation because um, – so I had uh, Chris True uh, on my – pod last week to talk about the pelicans actually um and he gave me the theory that he thinks ingram will be traded this year um before the deadline and the reasons are you know it's not that hard to guess i mean there's like holiday's gonna start needs not needs the ball but like better with the ball in his hands lonzo ball same thing zion williamson um same thing they just invested a lottery pick um, in what's his face, Jackson Hayes. Um, so I think they see Zion as someone who's going to spend a lot of time at the four. Um, and Ingram just makes no sense whatsoever um, if you're if you're you know projecting out um, that core, um, or if you're if you have to pick between Ball and Ingram, it would seem to me. That because Ball at least holds the possibility of of becoming I don't want to say a plus shooter but like I don't know keeping defenses honest from from three point range as opposed to Ingram, who I, he's a slasher. I yeah, yeah I yeah. and I it doesn't he doesn't strike me as the the type of guy who wants to make that a part of his game considering the fact that he came in the league. Um, and averaged two point four uh, three point attempts um, in twenty eight. Uh, minutes per game as a rookie and that number has gone down um and the percentage obviously is down to 33 i just he he strikes me as a guy who's going to be like you know what i'm just i'm not gonna that's not going to be a big part of my game um so i think there there's a real possibility they trade him putting aside for a minute the conversation about what the knicks would potentially give up um I too like him. I like him as a theoretical player in on some in some lineup. I just I'm so if you if you again it's like I hate to keep going back to this, but if if RJ and Mitch are your two like 100% building blocks, like you're banking on like these are the two guys that are going to be here for a while, and we 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 want to factor them into our decision making going forward. And you add Ingram into that mix. There's a possibility it could work, like if the if the collective basketball IQ, because like you said, Schwinn, he's a cutter and he's really good at that. 
And like RJ Barrett theoretically has a very high basketball IQ. And there, I could certainly see a, a, a world in which you just it does, forget about the positions. Like you said, Drew, just put out two shooters around Ingram and, and Barrett and have Mitch be the dive guy. And like, there's a, I guess I could see a world in which that works. I just, what am I, what am I giving up to find out if it works? Because it's not, it's not an easy fit to them. Like it's going to take some finagling to make it work. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Uh, sure. Of course I do. Um, my thing though too is like, yes, three point shooting is very, very important. I think everybody knows that nobody can deny that. Um, Here's the other thing, though, is like the Knicks weren't just bad at three point shooting. I think they were bad at basic things like how many how many plus ball handlers do the Knicks have on the team last year? How many do they have right now? How many plus passers for their position do they have on the team right now? Um, Like to me, without those, you can have shooters. But if you don't have guys that can ball handle and pass and you don't have a bunch of them, then you're fucked. So it doesn't matter. Like three point shooting is great, but you need guys that create three point shots. And like, and Ingram isn't just like he's not a guy that drives with blinders on. You know, he can create. He can create off the bounce for others, and he's shown it before. Like, people went crazy because Luke would like use him as a primary ball handler, but I always liked that early in his career because it just forces a guy to kind of like play in a position that emphasizes a certain skill, maybe that like then when you scale down their role, becomes a huge strength for them. Um, Sam Mitchell did that a bunch with Levine, too, when he was a rookie, and people hated it because they were so bad on offense and he'd run point. But, like, you know, I think Levine, probably long-term, now that he's only playing shooting guard, has actually benefited from that. He's actually a pretty decent passer. Um, Like, I just, I like players that have more, like, we just talked about that whole Bob Myers thing where he's like, you know, you want guys that have multiple facets that can hurt you in multiple ways. Like Brandon Ingram is a guy that can like you, he can create offense for himself. He can get to the line. He can play off ball as a cutter. He can create in pick and roll. Um, like he has multiple dimensions to his game. He is a good defender. Um, he's very switchable. He's pretty athletic. He's really long, which we know is something that Perry is a fan of. Uh, team wingspan for life. Oh, I think he's a per- I think he's a Perry guy to a T. I think he's a Fizz guy to a T. And just what you were saying about the lead ball handler. So people like to reference um, the stretch he had when Lonzo Ball was out, not last season, the season before. Uh-huh. Um, and it was only uh, thirteen games. And but uh, Ingram during that stretch was sixteen five and five essentially. Um, and actually, oddly enough, actually shot it well from three during that stretch, but like, yeah, he, he, he had a 10 assist game. Um, he had like, he's, he could do it, man. He has, he has the capability. So what would, okay. So if you guys are in favor of, you know, your pro brand Ingram and there's a good chance that he's going to be traded, if you're the next who are you trading and what position do you see him kind of okay. like maybe not position, but like, who do you see him? Like what would be like the best, like five man lineup, I would say okay. that kind of works. Like wh- what would you, how would you see the mechanics of that doing? And then also that, what are you paying him in the off okay. season? So I would 
tell them pick a young player on our team not named RJ Barrett or Mitch um and then I would tell them to that this upcoming year's pick would be completely off the table and then I would just tell them to uh pick a one of our first round picks after that uh I would lottery protect the 2020 21 first in some way and then I would loosen the protections after that uh, if that's what they wanted to do, I would give up the Dallas 21 pick if they wanted to do that. I would give up the 23 protected one for sure. That's the one I would obviously be trying to like pawn on them. Um, or like maybe our 22 first, something like that. I, that's what I would do. I would definitely do that for Ingram. I would not give up multiple first for him. Uh, I would be trying to get him at like 480, maybe 490. Uh, I think if you get him with the rfa like if you have the restricted if you're the team that has him going into restricted free agency i think you can negotiate like a pretty decent deal with him you know we were just talking about healed before i think healed might just get like some team if he really wants to play the restricted game might come in for like 400 but if you're sitting there like hey look like we'll just give you 480 490 at the start of free agency Sometimes I, I think he might just take it, be like, fuck it. Like, I don't need to worry about this shit anymore. Let me just ink this. Because you always run the risk that nobody does come in for you, right? That's always a risk. And then you lose leverage. So 480, 490, maybe that's a little bit of an, I think 490, 400 is a bit of an overpay for him. But like I said, I'm pretty high on his upside. Uh, I think that he is, like, I just, I think he's figuring out his game and he's done so in a pretty shitty situation in LA for three years, if you think about it. Um, so yeah, I, that's, that would be kind of how I go about it. I don't know if I would like, if we didn't trade for him, I don't know if I would be on board with like, you know, making a, a big time offer that the Pelicans wouldn't match, but I agree. I just don't see how the Pelicans keep him long term either. It's just inevitable. He's going to get traded. I know it's a it's a long shot just based on the fact that they're division rivals, but I don't know something about it. I kind of feel like Oklahoma Spurs. City would be a very vi- no, not not even. I mean, yes, the Spurs, but just from an asset standpoint, right? Like the mm-hmm. Thunder have so many assets at their uh, disposal, too many first round picks. You can say like, oh well, you know, how could that many first round picks be too many? But at a certain point, you've got to parlay those into something. You can't just. I mean, you can obviously just draft and and you know hope you hit on a couple and Presti obviously that's like the one thing that he's done incredibly well but I look at that team and I feel like that would be it just make a lot of sense especially since um the guy like Gallinari is is on his way out next season is that what is that what Griffin is gonna look for in and I don't know if this necessarily would help the Knicks in, in an effort to acquire him by a trade is that what Griffin's looking for in a trade is more picks and I I think think he's gonna look for win now talent yeah, yeah, because he his goal right now, uh, and really his only goal, is to show Zion that not only are we going to win, we're going to win starting day one, and we're going to make a concerted effort. You're not going to be part of a rebuild. And, and there's, and there's some market pressure, too, down there to, totally. not, to not fuck around. Yeah, because they, they got Anthony Davis, right? And they did – there are a lot of great things that they tried to do. Um, a huge issue was, of course, ownership and uh, GM and medical issues – all of those things combined, I mean, of course, it starts at the top, but um, they're not going to do the same thing with Zion. And they recognize that he didn't want to be there. That was not an option he really ever wanted. Uh, they're going to try to win. So, But the thing is, they could at least – it doesn't have to be a one-for-one 
deal in terms of teams. There could be a third team where some star is going to be unhappy. And the Pelicans would probably love to use Brandon Ingram's star potential to the best of their abilities to grab a star. And that's why I don't think that the Knicks are a great match unless they can facilitate a trade to be on the receiving end of uh, from, a con- from a contract standpoint. And maybe they could. Um, I just, you know, I, I, I would say that I agree. I was, I'm more bullish on, um, on Ingram than not. I think there's a lot of potential that's shown. And based on the team that the Knicks have right now, there are some capable uh, future performers. But I think Ingram has shown more at this point in his career than almost all, if not all, have already shown in their young careers. Um yeah, in terms of a trade, I, you know, I mean, Schwinn, I feel like the the Knicks kind of did that with Anthony Davis with the uh, Pelicans. And again, Anthony Davis and Brennan Ingram, completely different <laughs> players, completely different situations. But this sort of thing was like, okay, you, at least from what was reported, it was like, pick a player and here's a first and, you know, we could fill out the rest later. I don't know if the Pelicans really will engage in that type of a deal. Again, totally different situations. I'm just I don't think that's what they're looking so, for. Uh, so I I actually it depends. Uh so if, I think me and Drew talked about this on a pod. I forgot with who, but like I actually don't think there's going to be any stars moving this year. Maybe Bradley Beal, but I'm pretty sure the Wizards are like insane and want to keep him and will give him the Supermax. Um and if he gets offered the Supermax, I would assume he says yes because that's a fuck ton of money to turn down. Um <laughs> That said, like, so other than that, I just really, like, there are no stars in the market. Like, who, all the stars moved last year. I don't think any of those teams are going to be interested in flipping them again. Like, not like a Jimmy Butler situation like the Wolves had, right? Uh, I just think that, I mean, look around the league. What star do you envision being on the market? Like, Lowry, but he's 34, so that's not, like, a real thing. Uh... I have no idea. Um, I, I just don't see it. So that at that point, if you're the if you're the Pelicans, look, your your roster is in pretty good shape. Uh, the reason I don't see I, Ingram is a weird fit, and then not only that, like they have a bunch of guys they're gonna have to pay when you zoom out, right? Like Lonzo Ball is only a year behind Ingram in terms of getting paid. Um, same thing with somebody like Josh Hart potentially. Or, you know, whatever. You can go through and play this game with a bunch of guys. Uh, so I guess if I'm them, I'd look at it and like, okay, if I can't use Ingram as a centerpiece to get a star, then I'm better off getting a young player and a, a pick or picks or whatever uh, and loading up so that when a star does inevitably become available on the market a year, two years from now or whatever – we are in the position to offer them the most uh, because like right now it'd be it, it's like between them and OKC, right? Who could offer right. the most for a star yeah. um, for a lot of reasons. I would say New Orleans is more, it's better positioned to get involved in that trade because I think they just have a way better team. Um, and that team is better structured to stick together for longer than a year or two. Um so if I'm them, I'm just trying to make sure that I am the team that has the most offer. Basically, be the Celtics, but actually position yourself to use all those assets and not just like, you know, fucking make the second round of the playoffs and then watch everybody leave. Uh, so I don't know. I if I'm them, like 
I would probably do something like, I don't know. Let's say they want to make the playoffs this year. That's probably a goal of theirs, I'm assuming. So they need shooting. They need a lot of shooting, actually, because they don't have many. And Darius Miller's out for the year, I think. Uh, so maybe something like Dwayne Ellington, Knox. I was about to. I was wondering first, when someone was going to bring up Knox's name. A first. You could... And I don't know what. Who else is on our team can shoot Reggie Bullock or some shit? Uh, for Ingram and. I don't know, whatever bullshit salary they need to put in to make that work. Maybe it could be Darius Miller because he's not going to play this year. Uh, sure, why not? Solomon Hill, that. maybe. No, no, he's gone, right? Oh, there's some, there's someone who's expiring that I'm blanking on at least. Each one more, each one more. That, that's expiring. it. Yeah. And um, as for as for the star you were saying, the only player I agree. I think the only player I could see facilitating a move in some way is Blake. And yeah, but, even then, it's like... He makes well, no okay, sense well, at Zion, right? Right, exactly. So it would have to be a three-team deal. <laughs> yeah. um, I I, I want to... Just two things. One, I think that um, it's going to be really... It's going to be interesting to me if Kevin Knox comes out and has a, a, be- a much better year and actually looks like he's a, like a, a contributing NBA player that could turn into the, you know, the guy that we... Um, hope he could turn into, regardless of what our, our opinions on him may be or, or may have been. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they, if he's like an off limits guy um, for this front office, or like if they would talk about him in you know a, a deal like this or whatever deal. Because it's like at that point, it's like, well, why? You know, you almost have to ask the question, like, well, if he did come out in his second year and he improved by leaps and bounds, like, why would you? You know why would you want to give up on that? If if um, Knox is a a can't touch him guy, then I'm gonna start calling Scott Perry Scott Ainge. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I you know it, it's it's not. Let me let me change that verb. Not a can't touch him guy, but like he's because like if you in a in a theoretical trade in which he was good enough to be the centerpiece in a trade for Ingram, who like I said before is at the very least not a seamless fit with what it looks like this team is going to look like. Like, why are you giving up on Knox, who granted does not have the ceiling that Ingram doesn't, that that Ingram has. And and certainly like, again, if it worked out, you know, a pairing of RJ and, and, and Ingram could make beautiful music together, or maybe it doesn't work at all. Maybe it doesn't work under this coach. Like there's all kinds of ways it could go wrong. I guess that's just a, something i'm 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 thinking of um and the other thing which i thought of as you guys were having the last discussion and which is the last point i want to make is if i'm not sure that ingram or for that matter healed or you know it's it's, um or uh uh, jalen brown certainly not jalen brown these are not the guys that i am putting all the chips in terms of draft assets, in terms of whoever else, Knox, whatever you want to say, I'm not putting all my chips in the middle of the table for them. And and we could do another pod maybe on um, this, but like I'm, I'm waiting on when Devin Booker tweets. Uh, I don't want to oh be here my anymore. God. Oh, get out of here with Devin Booker. Devin please. Booker. I'm a, I, I, that's what I said. We, we could, we could do another pod on that. <laughs> um, I don't want to, I don't want to open that can of worms, but like, you know, 
I know everybody wants to wait for wait for Towns, but that, I just I don't think that's happening. Um, yeah, we gotta, also, we're, not, we're that's like three years down the road. You can't be waiting three fucking years to like do shit. He's not getting traded for the next two three. Who, he's on a five year max. Yeah, he's on a five year max. Oh no, 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 I, I agree. Towns. No, no, no. no I, I'm a, I'm agreeing with you. Like I just. People that are like, we should wait on Towns. It's like, let's not be. Delicious. No, 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 no. Yeah. And and look, but putting putting your individual opinions about about Booker aside, it's like, you're the Knicks, for as much as they get raked through the coals, like, and as we've as we've you know joked about with my Bogdan Bogdanovich offer, like they have they have some stuff in the coffers, and it's not insignificant. So. Just generally moving forward, I think they they do need to be careful about when they want to. It's not as many it's not as many chips as other teams have, but they do have chips. So you know. Yeah, I mean, like I just I just think like at some point you have to play a fucking hand, and I think. Scott well, that's Perry's, fair. Yeah, and I think Scott Perry's like been pretty. You know, he's folding pretty early on stuff. He's like he's you know managing his stack pretty well. He's he's just the guy hanging around the table. Keep looking. the The stack is getting a little bigger. He's not really paying, playing many hands, but like at some point you got to play a hand. And you know, I understood. I understand why. You know, the the team he inherited, he had no cap flexibility. There wasn't shit he could do. Um, you, you can talk about the KP trade. That was a. I guess that was like playing a pretty big hand. But yeah, that was a hand. But that was. But that was like you know you were you're pushing out your timeline. I think like that was obviously. A, posi- a possible outcome of that trade, right? Like that you don't get anybody huge in free agency. So obviously at that point you have taken a step back um, and you've kind of pushed out your rebuild another two years, let's say potentially. Um, sure. But like, you know, at a certain point you have to build towards something more than cap flexibility and we have young players on rookie contracts and we have first round picks of our own and we have some other teams first round picks like you have to turn that into talent on the floor and i just think that this point is coming this season that he has to start playing some hands and making moves to just build a team and like yeah i know that he built a team this summer um i would say that a lot of that was geared towards not just guys he liked, but guys he was, he knew that he could, I mean, look, they signed like all these contracts within fucking 24 hours. So pretty sure that he knew going into free agency, what, who he could get and for what that would be advantageous to the team and give the team all the kind of power, more or less, I should say, um, or control, maybe a better word. And uh, he did that, but like, that's still not really building a team. If you get what I'm saying, like, you know, he's got to trades are you got to do more in trades than just like take good, take a good swing on a guy, you know, and like if you miss, you miss. Like sometimes you got to trade for a guy that you're like, OK, this is we plan on him being part of our future. We're keeping him. We're going to pay him like this is a move for the next four, three, four, five years. That's how we see this guy. And like he still hasn't really done that yet. Uh, maybe Dennis the Jr. They see like that. I Kind of, I think Dennis Jr. was just like the young piece they could get that had the most potential from the Mavs, and that's why he was in the trade. I don't think they were necessarily like we got to add Dennis Smith. Uh, I think Ingram is a guy. Like I said, I think he's very much fits the bill of somebody Perry would like. Uh, 
I think he's a guy that you should go for if you can get him at a decent like I, you got. I think he's somebody that you at least kick the tires on and genuinely kick the tires, not like the bullshit AD kick the tires they did, where it was like, yeah, we'll give you some guys, but not all guys, and it was you know just actually kick the tires on the dude, see what's up, make a genuine offer, negotiate. Like I, I think you should. Uh, that's what I would say about Ingram. Yeah, I wonder what the market will, will if if they're. If that is the direction they want to go, I wonder what the market will wind up being like for him. I'm curious. I'm pretty high on Lonzo too, but I think that New Orleans loves Lonzo. I think him and Holiday probably that's Gentry's like dream for kind of a back. I mean that that makes that makes sense at least. You know, it yeah. makes more sense than than Ingram on on this roster. So yeah. All right, is that are we? Is that it? I think that I think it's a good place to. Uh... To end it, guys, I th- we've been with each other for almost two and a half hours. Jesus Christ. And we didn't even uh, talk about Dylan Brooks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I thought about- that was who we were saving for the end. <laughs> we really Sterling, are. Sterling, not K, Brown. Yes. Oh, Thon, Thon McCurr. Oh, my God. Thon oh, McCurr. He's God. probably like 68 <laughs> years old. Chris Dunn, anyone? Anyone? Bueller? <laughs> Chris Dunn. Never liked him. Not a fan of those guys. Chris Dunn, but a bunch. (laughs) See, I thought that, but I also thought not to say it, so I'm glad you said it. Yeah. You also also didn't say the the good joke in the earlier, so I mean that's your that's your MO. Just not uh pulling the trigger on the uh on the jokes. All right. You and you thought Denzel Washington played basketball in the NBA. He did play basketball. He did play basketball. (laughs) He played basketball for Fordham. In the NBA. Yeah, Fordham, NBA, it's the same difference. They're both, you know. And he got games. Also, he, yeah, he's Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yeah, there's that too. Like, I'm not. What am I missing here? Did he play in the NBA? I think in that movie, he maybe had a cup of coffee in the league. I could be wrong. Yeah, there you go. He had a cup of coffee in the league. And uh, so he got the player that he was act that he portrayed. No, he's actually that person. Huh. I did none of us mention he got game even once when we were talking about Denzel before. That's probably for the best. Yeah. He has so many good movies. Yeah. No, the guy's, he's, he's, he's been a hit maker. All right. Well, this, this was fun. Um, all right. So let's, um, let's get to the, uh, the plug segment of the, uh, of the show. Uh, Macri, what do you want to plug? Uh, what do I want to plug? Um, I, oh, I, I didn't, we didn't do a plug for you guys. I'll have to, I'll, I'll go back and I'll, I'll, edit and I'll, I'll plug something for you um uh, sign up for the Knicks film school newsletter which you could find a link to in my twitter bio uh jc macri nba um on the twitter app um yeah it's free so sign up for it and uh Knicks film school podcast and uh yeah that sounds good hey, jeremy what are you plugging uh i've got what I would call an article, but Doug, what you'd call an, an email or a newsletter. Yeah, no, I would call it um, an email. Yeah, just a long manifesto. I've got one coming out uh, right around the time training camp starts. So, will this uh, be your debut for next film school? This will indeed. Ooh. Oh, look at yeah, that. Exciting. Yes, nice. yes. Nice. So I'm looking forward to uh, – I've been working on it for a while, and uh, it's like it's one of those articles where – uh, you just like you know the direction, but you can't quite mold it there. So now it's like in very good shape, at least mm-hmm. how I feel compared to where it was. So I'm excited. 
make sure you CC everyone on this email. Uh, Schwinn, what are you? Uh, what are you plugging? Uh, yeah, I have a season preview. I got to write. I haven't done shit with it. So, at some point, look forward to it, guys. You give Zake a season preview. I'm excited. Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you for lying to me. Yeah, who wouldn't be excited? Uh, it's the real Icky. Um, let's see. What am I plugging? <laughs> let's see. I I wrote an article Schwinn's on Frank. butt. What? I said Schwinn's butt. You said what are you plugging? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be uh I'll be plugging Schwinn's butt tonight. Um, I wrote an article on Frank. If you want to check that out, I'm posting and toasting. If you want to check out the posting and toasting show with Astroin Romnoth and Drew Steele. Check it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just cut out, Drew? Yeah, I think this might cut out. That's a perfect <laughs> way to end the show. All right. All right Bye, everybody. All right. Take care. Have a good All night. Right. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Bye.